what it was like making that song? Um, yeah, it was just my attempt really to um, uh, explain how it felt. You know, that, that's really how it was. And I, I tried to explain that introverts do not understand, or extroverts do not understand introverts. The idea of being shy to them is some kind of poison. If you think back to school days, I read a quote recently that all of us are the people that high school made us. Yeah. Okay, and, and if shy people in high school, I remember they're stuck up. They're conceited. They think they're better, you know, just for being shy. So that's a, that persists. And if you are that way in a public field, unfortunately, it's a huge disadvantage. But it just made me uncomfortable and embarrassed. And I just tried to explain. And I can't tell you how many younger musicians, authors, and athletes, and actors have come up to me in, in life and said what that song came to mean. Suddenly they understood, I can't pretend a stranger is a long way to friend. Michael Shabon, the author, just said that to me recently when he had a book signing, and with all this expectation of people thinking they know him and his work so well, and he doesn't know them at all. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's a real disadvantage, and I, there's an old English expression when somebody calls your name, say, hey, George. You have me at a disadvantage. And it is. I don't know you, you know. So anyway, I, I was just trying in a really neutral sort of way and, and um, hopefully a, a poetic sort of way just to explain how it felt. And hey, what mattered? You know, really what mattered to us was always the music. The, what, uh, the, it was to be, not to seem. I got so much trouble on my mind. Refuse to lose. Uh -huh. What up, what up, what up? It is Matthew Sabolski here in studio with co-host and producer Steve Bennett. And welcome back to the Motivation Through Music podcast, Steve. We are back. We are back with a vengeance. Hiatus has ended. It's over. The Calvary has returned. They did. They shored back up, I think, and uh, they're ready for battle. Um, so it's been some time, huh? Yeah, it was summer, I feel like. It was. It, it was, was summer. summer. And so... Because I hadn't been to Pearl Jam yet. So no, no, no. We were, hadn't been to Dave I haven't Matthews been to Dave. Yet. So it was pre-June, july Yeah. Right around there. Yeah, yeah. So I want to say May. And it was... Uh, we had a lot on the docket, right? We're talking, oh, man, first Dave show for me. You're going, you know, to see uh, Pearl Jam, I think, twice, right? I went to three. Three of them. Yeah. Okay. But the was third, third one I added late. You added, because yeah. you only had two on there, the right? two Chicago ones. Yeah. And then me and my brother Greg decided to go to one of the Boston ones. Okay. kind of went. Yeah. And uh, so we had all this shit ready to go on, and, and I just kind of pulled it. Yeah, you need a break. I need a break, yeah. So I could see it on you. Building. Yeah, I could see it. Yeah, it was it was a lot. You know, it was uh, so for me. The reason that I had to stop was I had to just kind of take a step back. I had this going on. Um, I was doing my lives. Uh, I had the coaching, the training. I was trying to do some online stuff. You had your shoot job, or you and had to go yeah, and they were and they were effing me. Yeah. So that was the that was the biggest one. Was that my schedule was up and down? Like I had it one week, and then and then the next, literally the next week. Oh, well, that's not gonna work. I'm like, what what the fuck? What do you mean? Um, and then it was back and forth and I'm just like, you know what? I just, cause I had taken a, a different role in January and then that role changed again in March and that role changed again in May. And then, it, and it was just like one thing after another. And for me, I was just like, what the F am I doing? Um, I've got so many fires going right now. I couldn't put one out if, if I had an ocean. And so for me, and what I'll tell clients, any coaching clients, like, you know, when you feel that way, you kind of have to take that step back. You know, you got to step away from everything. And, and that's what I did. I literally put the brakes on everything, but, you know, obviously earning an income 
and and kind of got my shit my bearings together over the summer and and in the fall. So why now? Why are we back now? What was right about this time? So I think what this time is, and and not to get we do get somewhat. Well, we get personal. Yeah, we get personal. And I think that that's what people like about it too. Mm-hmm. But I think as far as my role, I feel like was to just say to you, hey, dude, regroup. Yeah. You know, feel better. And this room is always open. Yeah. And you, you did. And that- you know, if you want to do it tomorrow or next week or whatever. So that was kind of my role. And then you had come to me about a month ago and you said, I think I want to do this again. And I'd heard you say on one of your first lives back that was kind of like a little bit of a kick in the butt from your coach to do the lives again. And that's when I kind of said, we'll fix it. Let's see what's going on. You probably just leaned on this a little yeah. bit. You take it out. Hook it back up. Test, test. Oh, yeah. Good. Slide her back in. And just be careful on this. Back end. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, we're there. Right, we're so good. I'll pick up. I know where yep. I was. Um. Yeah. Hold and on. hold on. So I kind of felt then at that point that okay, I do need to push him a little bit, and at least say like, hey, let's let's get back at this. Let's let's get ready to roll again. And we picked out a date, and then we did kind of have maybe one reschedule. Yeah. Maybe was... two, but here we are. So, but why do you think this was the right time to come back? Yeah, I mean, it was so, you know, I, I took that long-awaited step of um, getting myself a coach, and he kind of came to me. So as a coach, you know, and, and helping others, we need one, right? So, the, you know, I'm sure Drew Brees has somebody that he looks up to. And, yeah. Give um, your coach a shout-out. Yeah. Uh, my coach, Eric G. Reed. So he does Success Coaching Live. Uh, you can catch that on Facebook. Guy's an amazing uh, individual. Uh, was in the real estate game, got into coaching. And he's helped me immensely just overcome some some nonsense, the nonsense that, that we have in our own head. And uh, it was through him and another coach, Brian DaCosta, Brian DaCosta Fitness, who had kind of got me out. And, and I had that idea for that first live with putting the video together for a while since I heard uh, Hardwell's uh, opening set at Tomorrowland, which is the intro part of that. And it had been going, going. And so I just said, you know what? I got to do it. And then after that, you're like, dude, you got to get, we got to do this. And then we had met up. Um, at Paul's hockey, right, which yeah, was came which Paul's was awesome, and we had lunch, and and then we had talked. And one of the main drivers for me, number one, leaving the shoe job and and getting back on my own, and then deciding to, t- there's no why wait, right? Was that my sister um, was diagnosed with stage four? Well, they don't refer to the stages anymore, but it's considered stage four breast cancer. And our family, as we've talked about, has dealt with a lot over the last few years. This one particular hit closer to home than than anything, and it reminded me that there's no effing guarantee, man. You know, and if there's something that we want to do in life, um, and and I enjoy this podcast. I mean, do we take it nation and worldwide? Who the hell knows? But we continue to have fun doing it. Our listeners grow; they enjoy what we do. And we get feedback, and we yeah, yeah, and it's random. Like I was telling yeah. that before, that I was just laying around, and all of a sudden, I have six DMs from a guy who <laughs> wanted to talk about the Better Than Ezra episode. And Matt said a few people have mentioned the better than us. I don't know what we said on that one, but that's one that resonated for some reason. Yeah, people were like, it's cold. They're like, oh my God, that better than us was show, man. I just listened to it. I was a kid when I was uh, actually you know, at, at uh, the core capacity, the, the shoe job, if you will. And he's like, dude, man, listen to that better than Ezra. What an episode. I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? People like that one. And, and they liked it. So, um, you know, and that that was just the realization that, that we need to get back into it. Um, and, uh, and And here we are. Yeah, we talked about 
we're going to try to do two a month. Yeah, so which wh- is basically what we were doing. It's what we, we were, were doing on biweekly, but we're going to, I think, not put the pressure of biweekly per yeah. se on us. I think yeah, well, you had come up with that good. So we're going to do it pretty much uh, two a month, right? And uh, if we have to schedule wise, you know, record two and one, we'll, we'll do You'll it. You'll never know the difference. Yeah, they yeah. won't know anything. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, we have had uh, quite a bit of, which I think we'll probably just touch on today. I think we'll go a little bit deeper on some of the, the shows and that. But yeah. you had a, a crap ton of uh, of experiences with uh, three shows this uh, this summer. Well, I've actually been to, I've had a decent run. So I went to the three Pearl Jam shows. So yeah. the first, so the tour was called the home shows and the road shows, right? And they played okay. in baseball stadiums. Yep. And the, they started with the home shows, which were the two in the Seattle baseball stadium at Safeco or whatever it's. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. Corporate sponsor is now. But what was originally Safeco. And um I went to the the two the two shows uh in Chicago and the first show was perfect, right? It was uh Saturday night in Chicago. It was like seventy five degrees, it was beautiful. Um you know, I was in Wrigley Field and uh Pearl Jam was in center field, and uh, we had three tickets in the 10th row on the field and then one single. Uh, so I took the single and sat up top because I can sit anywhere. And um, my two brothers and Tammy sat in the 10th row. Oh, Tammy went? Yes, Tammy. She go to every, We might have touched on this. She doesn't she, go to every no, show, she but she comes, she comes a lot. Okay. So... So it was Tammy and I flew into Chicago, right? My brothers got in their own way separately, flew in separately. And we had a really nice really nice hotel in the city. We got a really great deal on. And uh, so we met up in Wrigleyville. Again, Saturday was just a perfect day, you know, just beautiful. Yeah. And um, they played a great show. It was really good. Probably my favorite of the three. And then, so then there's a day off. Okay. Tammy and I spent it in the city, you know, on shopping, nice. walking yeah. around, you know, had stuff pizza and you know shit you do in chicago is it yeah i've never i've i've only passed through never been in in that's what i've heard it's like a mini new york yeah cleaner though they say cleaner maybe yeah Yeah, partially but i mean it's smaller it's a smaller is it okay less to clean right yeah i get it yeah um stuff pizza everything uh, that you hear about i mean it's not pizza no it's casserole right (laughs) yeah right i mean there gets a point where you're not eating pizza anymore but it's good good call it's a good meal okay you know but it's not it's fine the the other thing they're famous for, which I actually like better, is Italian beef sandwiches. Okay. You know, so it's kind of like a spicy roast beef sandwich. Yeah. You know? Really? And it, those are fucking great. Where did you and go then, for that? Uh, I think it's called Ales. Okay. It's one of the famous places. Okay. And uh, we bought, my cousin goes to law school there. And uh, we picked him out for Secret Santa with that family. Yeah. So, you know, my aunt is always complaining. He's, you know, a broke college kid, whatever. So we're like, we'll get him. Three ten dollar gift cards to Ales, yeah, and he can go get lunch three times, get three three meals, right? Well, so they mail them to us the three gift cards, and then two days later they mail them to us again, so he gets six. Oh, hey, yeah, bank error in his favor, right? Yeah. So anyway, so then the second show was the complete opposite. So it's supposed to start at seven thirty, about seven twenty five. They're starting to peel shit off the stage. It's getting dark. There's lightning. Really, so it was like a two and a half hour rain delay. Oh, my God. So I'm finally, they come out. They're going to play the show, set everything up. And the pace that they played, because they had to get through as much as they could. Yeah. 
lightning. It's a weekday. Yeah. The weather's backdrop. There's curfew. All oh, that yeah, shit. eleven o'clock, right? You know, Is that at eleven? I think I think they got till twelve thirty. Okay. Yeah, they oh wow. Probably let them. Yeah. Well, at, at that stage, yeah, you're, you're Pearl Jam. You're not. Yeah. The Joe Blow. So I mean, they got maybe it was twelve. I don't remember exactly what time they stopped, but it was a really fast. So it's a different feel to it. Okay. Not as good as the first one, but it was unique and cool. Quote unquote you know? rushed, if you will. It was fast paced. Yeah. All right. You know, less banter. Yeah. Which is it song makes, start, yeah. song end, song start, song boom, end. Boom, 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 yeah. boom. Because they had to. Encore quick, on and off. Um, tight. You know, maybe when they play Porch, which is a song that, a four minute song that's usually eight minutes, maybe it was six. Yeah. So then I talked to my brother Greg and I was like, they're playing a show on September 2nd over Labor Day weekend nah, yeah. in Boston. My birthday is the first. His is the fourth. I'm like, let's do it. I'll get us tickets. You know, let's uh, let's just go. We get a, we'll leave on Saturday. I guess the show is Sunday. Yeah. We'll leave on Saturday. Stay overnight. Yeah. See the show Sunday. Stay overnight. Come home Monday. It's a day off of work anyway. Good deal. Uh, drive or fly? I'm sorry. I'm we drove. Just drove. Yeah. Okay. Just because it was a tight window. Absolutely. Well, yeah, you're probably paying out your ass for for a flight. And, uh, okay, so here's the funny story about that show. So I wanted to get a hotel room, like, say, in Albany the first night. Okay. Drive to about there. Yeah, five five hours, sure. Get, like, an $80 hotel room. Mm -hmm. Then in the morning, we only have to go two more hours or whatever. We'll stay one night. We'll stay that night in a hotel in Boston, you know, and we'll come back. My brother Greg's like, no, I'm going to book the hotel. It's going to be in Boston. It's going to be what I want. And you just give me whatever money you think you want to pay for a hotel. Okay. Fine. Yeah, whatever. So yeah, it's not worth it. Whatever. Yeah. So he goes and books a hotel. Doesn't tell me he books a $300 a night hotel. Oh, really? Right. Okay. Nah. He just does that. Yeah. Just goes ahead. So we get there. We check in. I'm still totally ignorant to the price. Yeah, yeah. Well, when we're pulling into the parking garage, I notice it's $40 a night to park. And I tell my brother, I'm like, if they give me any opportunity to get that validated, I'm getting that parking for free for us. Oh, yeah. Just give me any opening. Put the mint on the wrong yeah. spot and the, <laughs> yeah. the pillow. I was like, I will get us. And we're getting that right. shit. Okay, so here's what happens. So, <laughs> so the first night, I actually have a friend that I do a podcast with sometimes. Okay. We call it the Adams Division Podcast because he's a big Bruins fan. I'm a big Sabres fan. Yeah, yeah. And we talk about wrestling. Okay. Old wrestling. We do it quarterly. So shout out to Peter Winston and the Adams Division Podcast. Nice. His podcast is called Greetings from Allentown. It's one of the best retro wrestling podcasts out there. At uh, GF Allentown Pod on Twitter. All right. So we went. We met him out. I got in an Uber, went back to the hotel. My brother Greg's like, I'm going to go down to... Where the fine way is, yeah. walk around, I'll meet you back, fine. He didn't come back till uh, pretty late, whatever. Yeah. So we're sleeping the next day. It's like maybe 9.30. Okay. You know, neither of us have our kids, our wives. We're sleeping in, you know. There's no yeah, plan. absolutely. We're going to get lobster rolls when we wake up, but okay, we don't have yeah. a time. It's going to be <laughs> yeah. when we wake up. So all of a sudden, the door busts open, the maid comes in, and she's screaming in Spanish. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? I'm like, we're Boom. not checking out for two days. What do you get out of here? Yeah. So You're in bed? We're both in bed. Oh fuck. Yeah. You know, she 
We could have been no knock. I mean, I just like jerked him off. right, yeah, yeah. You could have been pondering one eye. It'd be right. a little weird with your brother next to you, but hey, whatever. Float your boat, you know. Right. Maybe he's sleeping. Right? We've yeah. all seen Tommy Boy. Yeah, you turn the other way. Whatever. Yeah, but so she just walked in. Whatever. She fucked up. Oh, she. Oh, it turned out she so fucked up. My huh? brother Greg's like, "There's your opening." <laughs> like, yep. Okay. So I go down. You know, I get dressed. I go down. Yeah. And I'm telling the guy what happened, and the guy is trying to take notes. And he's not looking at me. Yeah. I'm getting pissed. Oh, fuck yeah. I'm like, you know what? I don't know if I'm more pissed about the maid or the fact that I'm trying to explain this to you and you can't look me in the eyes. And he got real still. Oh, And he's yeah. like, oh, I'm so sorry. That's a good lesson for me. You know, I should take in all the information. He's like, here's what I'm going to do. He's like, I'm just going to give you last night for free. Okay. I'm going to validate the parking. <laughs> And I'm going to – there was a third thing. Oh, late checkout the last day. Nice. Do you want a late checkout? We didn't because yeah, we knew what we had to get home. Hand. But yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So I go up. I tell my brother what happened. He's like, no, that's not possible. I'm like, yeah, that's what he gave us. He gave us the first night free. He validated the parking. And he gave us a late checkout. He's like, you know that's like $400 worth of shit he just gave you. So that's the first time yeah, I'm yeah, finding yeah, out. Like- this hotel room is $300 a night. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's a good deal for you because there's no fucking way in the <laughs> I was giving you $300 for this hotel room. I wanted to pay 40 a night. Yeah, I told you. Stay yeah. in Albany. Yeah. Fuck's the matter with you. Wow. So we got uh, like a $400 value because that maid fucked up. And I think we wouldn't have got as much if I didn't lay the screws to him for not looking at me. Oh, yeah. I mean, right there he was, right? Yeah. Oh, fuck. I'm going to lose my job. Like, this guy's oh, going to really complain. Fucked up. Wow. I, so, so that was that. Good trip, good show. Probably three of three. Okay. You know, I was telling my brother, I'm like, weather was good though. Weather, weather was oh, yeah. perfect night. Nice. Um, Fenway is not as good as Wrigley. Both no, of, both of them. I've never old been to either. Historic and cool to be at once, but you know they're like old buildings, crammed. Yeah. Crammed concourses and old places. Yeah. But um, we had a good trip. It was fun. Good show. And then, okay, two other quick things to mention about music. So Saturday, this past a couple Saturday? days ago, okay. uh, I went to see Rick Emmett from the band Triumph. Remember we did the yeah, Triumph yeah. show, Magic Power? He played his la- potentially his last ever U.S. show right down the street from my house at the Riviera Theater. Really? Yeah, so what he decided is he booked about 12 shows in the fall, and he said right from the jump, when these shows are up, my visa's up. Oh, no shit. And I'm yeah. not going to renew it. And I'm going to take six to eight months, and me and my wife are going to go to the beach, and we're going to travel around, and then I'm going to decide what I'm going to do, but it might be retire, or it might be play more. I'll see, but just know. This potentially could be it. This could be it. And it's definitely it for you know a year or whatever. Yeah. Probably going to take 2019 off, it sounds like. You, know, you take the first eight months, and then in August, you call your manager, and you say, well, what's out there for 2020, and yeah. do I want to do it? I think Absolutely. that's basically what he explained at the show, too. So it just so happened that the last one was the Buffalo date. It just so happened that the Buffalo date was the Riviera Theater, which just so happens to literally be a mile from oh, my house. Yeah. So first my dad was going to go with me. Then he ended up having a Christmas party. Anthony wanted to go with me, but he had a tournament. Okay. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to go by myself. Yeah. So I was watching Alabama and Georgia. Okay. Yeah, yeah, You know, mm-hmm. uh, I was watching that. It was like about... Quarter to seven. He started at eight. I was like, ah, I should go down there. It's like, I'll go to Dwyer's. I'll get some wings. Yeah. You know, watch the rest of this game at the bar. Walk over five to eight. See the show come home. So I go and I was, they didn't even open the doors till seven. So I got there like right about seven. 
And uh, I said, I just, you know, I was the first one when they opened the doors. I kind of walked in, walked up to the box office. It's like, I just want one. So there ended up being a single, like, in the fifth row. Yeah. Row E. So, I mean, it's a small place anyway, yeah. but row E, $25 ticket. Fuck. 25 yeah. bucks. Um, row E was dead center. You're dead nuts. His yeah. wife and the guy he plays with wife had one row better than me, one seat over. Yeah, not bad. You know, so it's beautiful Day seat. of, right? Yeah, day of, 25 bucks. I walked over to Dwyer's, sat at the bar, had 10 chicken wings. Yeah. You know, had a drink, watched the end of a great football game, you know, and then, you know, just to see the songs one last time, you know, watch them play one last time. You know, he played Magic Power was the last yeah. song in the set. Oh, there you go. You Look know, at that. And then after that, the encore is the song Suitcase Blues, which I love. I think yep. we talked about We've before. We've talked about it. And um, it was just nice to say goodbye to him. It was a cool musical experience. And that kind of leads us to Rush. Um, which is what we're doing today. Which we're doing today. We were going to do... The ru- the, the rush show, yeah. I mean, fuck, right? Because we do what we do now. We started this with your book, correct? Yeah, right? yeah. The first fifteen episodes was one chapter of your book at a time. Yep. And we went through that, and then when the book ended, we decided we're going to do a show. Every every show is either going to be about an album, a song, a genre. band, a genre, a year. We had a lot of fun with the year ones, right? Years well, are we've great. Done, we've done ninety one. I think we've done ninety four. Eighty eight. 88, 88, 88, yeah, yeah. I think so we've done a few year ones. Yeah. Those are fun. Those we've are good. Band ones, like we mentioned, we did better than Ezra. We did song ones. Like the first one when we switched the format was Go Your Own Way. Let's go Your Own Way, yeah. Right? So we've okay. done song ones. Have we done a theme yet? I know we did a genre because we did classic rock. We did classic rock. Theme? I don't know if we've I done a theme. I don't think we have. You know, like say songs about breaking up. I don't think we've done yeah, that, yeah. but that's an idea we've had in the hopper. Maybe we do that next. Maybe that's yeah, the next show. It's your we pick. Yeah, okay. You know, next show, whatever you want. I think we got it. Yeah. So, um, but today we're going to do, instead of, since we were coming back, and I knew we'd probably do a 25, 30-minute yeah. yeah. first segment mm-hmm. to kind of lay everything out. We'd be three three hours. Sure. That it just would yeah. be too long, too ambitious, and we would, I just felt like we would not We'd miss a lot. I think, we, we, yeah, it, we, it wouldn't do the justice that, that, that a Rush show deserves, right? Right. So instead I said, let's zoom out a little bit, and let's just do Moving Pictures, right. the Rush yeah. album. Good. Uh, I liked it. It was know, a good one, call. The the two biggest rush albums are twenty one twelve and moving pictures. moving pictures. So I decided to do moving pictures. No real reason. Good. Just decided to do that one. Uh so that's what we're gonna do in a minute. Uh the reason I related Rush and Rick Emmett is because on Rush's last tour, which I went to, which was during the Blackhawks yeah. Lightning Stanley right. Cup, mm-hmm. whatever year that was, fifteen, yeah, fourteen, yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, and I went to the show at the arena by myself again, again, day of ticket buy. Yeah. Again, top 15 rows. No shit. Um, and they had said this could be it. Of course. They didn't play, pull the farewell card. Yeah. You know, like Kiss is doing right now. Absolutely. They'll play another one. They just said this could be it. They, what they did say is this will probably be our last tour sure. on this scale. Maybe we'll do a residency somewhere. You know, maybe we'll make a new album. Maybe we'll do nothing. Yeah, yeah. And as the years have passed, it's getting more like it's going to be nothing. Yeah. Uh, there's rumors that Neil Peart doesn't even own drums anymore. Wow. So the the future thing. of Rush is in, in limbo. Um, but we will do our best to cover moving pictures today. Yeah. There's good songs on it. Songs that people oh, know. Yeah. Their most recognizable songs are from this album, Tom Sawyer and Limelight, mm-hmm. Red Barchetta, YYZ. 
um, they played this song or this album in concert sequentially. I was there for that. Oh yeah. Uh, I went to Syracuse for that one. Okay. Uh, How many rush shows we might have covered? Them. Okay, so I went to all of them except one since '96. So I went to two on the '96 tour, which was the um, Test Racco tour. Okay, because there was a indoor and outdoor. So I went to the right. arena and and outdoor uh, right. Daring Lake. Uh, then Vital Signs tour. Okay, Rush Thirty. Um, Rush Forty. Fuck. Um. The one where they played moving pictures, I forget what it was called, mm-hmm. that one, Snakes and Arrows. Okay. And the one I missed was Clockwork Angels. And so they've they... played eight shows since 96. They've had eight tours. I've been to seven. So if I've been... they did one this year, it'd be 50 years. No. 68. I got Rush 1968. Okay. but Well, I mean, for drums, maybe that was the initial. So it depends, I guess, when you depend count. on when you count when yeah. they started. The first, Closing in on it, right? I want to say Neil Peart's first Neil was Pert? seventy four. Seventy four, right? you're right, seventy four. So, so a lot of people will kind of track it from Pert. Okay. So we got, we got some seventy four, uh, but and I think like a lot of the stuff in sixty eight was like playing, uh, yeah, playing you know clubs in Toronto before or they were high school dances. Good call. You know, I want to say the Rush Rush album, the one album that doesn't have Pert. Neil Pert. Okay. The very first album that has Working Man on it is with a guy named John Rutsey, who yep, died John recently. Um, yeah. yeah, he passed away. Uh, that album, I want to say, was 71 or 72, something like that. Okay. Uh, but I don't know if, if Working Man is one of the songs on so- sound or song facts. It probably has a year next to it in parentheses, right? Work- yeah, yeah. What does uh, it say? Work- what, what year does it say for Working Man? Yeah, they yeah. got a lot on there, right? Working Man was seventy four, so yeah. All right, so that's probably that. That, like you said, sixty eight was probably the earliest. Stuff. I think that was with they Rutsi. count it from seventy four, which would make sense if that R forty show was in fourteen or fifteen. Oh yeah, that yeah. makes sense would, for it to be R forty, yeah. right? So, so like I think twenty four would have to generally be generally when they track yeah. it. Okay, good. Is there anything else you wanted to say about the hiatus, about the return, about where we're going from here? You feel like we covered it all pretty good. I think we did pretty good. You know, it's just good to be back. Uh, I think you know the listeners will be glad to, to have us back. We've got some things we got to cover. Obviously, some emails that, that we did get. Um, it's amazing. It goes back to that. You know, you want you want what you can't have, right? And so it's like we cut it off, and all of a sudden, man, what happened? Yeah. Um, so no, I think uh, I think we did justice to the hiatus, and uh, can't wait to get into a little uh, moving pictures. Oh, oh, we do have one more. Yeah, thing. yeah. You went to a concert. I did go to a concert. You don't go to many concerts. I don't, and it's fucked up because I thing. love them. I'm going like to drag I, you a few. Yeah, I love them. I had a great time. Tell, tell, tell the story. So you went with your dad, right? So I went with yeah. my father, who uh, probably really didn't know any Dave Matthews uh, band songs. You know, and um, I happen to know the guy that works at Darien Lake, uh, works in the VIP, literally got us in the pit. You know, so if I wanted, I could have went up right on... You know, getting the sweat off. You know, Dave Matthews as as he's playing, but um, Boy Tinsley not there. I'll uh, probably not. Yeah, he took the tour off. I think I heard. Yeah, and then he gonna, had some legal problems. Yeah, he's probably going to take quite a few tours yeah. off. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, he got caught I, up in the Me Too movie. Yeah, right? yes, yeah, another one that did. Uh, um, well, hey, to to each his own. I'm not going to get into people's personal lives, but the show fucking killed it. Yeah, you liked. You it. know, I loved it. Um, it's everything that that was. Advertised in it a wasn't Dave too show. jammy for you. 
No, I love the jamming. Okay. Like I, I do. Like I, I could sit there and that's so for me and, and being with my dad, it was just kind of and almost you know I've got photos of with him and I and and, and with him watching it and just kind of in awe of because he's a music guy, loves loves it, and uh, he was loving every minute. If he would go back over to, off to the VIP where he could smoke and just, I mean, it, literally from that area you could see great. You know, and it was great. You could see the stage, and he would come down. I think it was uh, Louisiana Bayou that we went down back into the pit and um, just jammed. I mean, and, and for me growing up, like some of my best memories with my father are just literally, you know, being in the room, and he pulls out, you know, the, the Fender, the PV, and just jams, right? And and I could just sit there. Still do to this day. Sometimes we'll go to a shop, and, um, you know, he'll just jam out. And so for me, yeah, it was, I, I'm good with the jams. I love those solos. I love the long extended jam out sessions, which they had in abundance uh, uh, there. It was, and it was the new album. Uh, so, I mean, all in all, I couldn't ask for a better uh, experience. And to, like I said, to be literally staring. And I got some pretty good videos and shots and pictures right there. Um, throws a Bill's hat on at the end, right? Cause somebody was in the front threw the Bill's hat on. Um just an amazing time. I think Ants Marching was the um, was the, the the final, the last song they played, the encore, if you will, and uh, and that was just jamming, jamming for fifteen minutes. What so, was your favorite song? One stick out. Um, what's that? There's one stick out. Louisiana Bayou. Okay. Um, because I love the guitar in that. I just love the jam that the, the beat that, that, that it has. That was the one that was just like extended play. And like, I was trying to find them on YouTube and that was the one that was like, fuck man, I got all these from different, even earlier in the year, same tour, but, but not that one. And they finally do have it on there. But, um, uh, yeah, that would, ha- that would definitely be, but I mean, well, mid January, yeah. mid January, the last Seeger show in Buffalo. Yeah, we're going. To, oh, you are going? I'm going. Yeah, yeah. So my fiance's uh, late father, Bob Seeger, was his favorite band. And Good. and so they weren't sure if they wanted to go. Well, we'll do the Seeger show. After oh, yeah. Concert. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, that'll be fun. Because we haven't done a Seeger, anything song. I don't think we have, no. no. So maybe we can do the Seeger show after that. After that. Absolutely. I saw the set list. It's you did. You yeah. already got it. Fucking hey, You're on point with that stuff. I love it. I think there's been like four so far. Yeah. Four shows. Mm-hmm. Started in Grand Rapids there in Cleveland last night. As we record, but no, it's really good. We're playing a song that I love called Shame on the Moon, uh, which, as far as anyone knows, he hadn't played since 87. Uh, uh-huh. So that's pretty cool. And it's just everything you'd expect. It's, I mean, it's it's kind of guy. It's not like this like big mystery what the set list is going to be, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, but I think we kind of have I think he's got enough songs that there's maybe like, you know, like something like Shame on the Moon to, to, to jump in is pretty cool. and. Um, no, it looks really good. I'm really excited. I think that's the next concert I have. Okay. As far as I know. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely the next one. There's a co- you know, there's p- things are starting to get announced for the summer. You know, I think the Tea Party is coming to Town Ballroom. Are they? Two shows. I think I'd like to go to one. I, I, I was a huge Tea Party fan in the early 2000s, and they just got they – don't, they don't give you 100% every time. They can mail yeah. it in. They do the same thing every night right down to the banter. Yeah, and they can you can go to a show and it feels really mailed in. Yeah, you know they're moody, are they? Yeah, but um, it's been a while since I've been to one, so I feel like and I like I going. Like I like going to the town ballroom, so maybe I'll check one of those out. Maybe I'll drag you to that so you can go to a club show. See yeah, what, see what okay. else, you know. So, oh, and I did go to one other concert. I'll just talk about it quickly. I went to see uh, Life of Agony. Uh, oh, okay. I think I talked about before yep. mm-hmm. the band whose singer was once Keith 
and mm-hmm. is now Mina. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it was at a really small place, uh, right by the arena, kind of behind the comedy club. I can't remember what it's called. Um, and so behind Helium? Yes, right yeah, behind okay. Helium. Yeah. Like in between Helium and the arena, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's probably 500 people there, whatever. I mean, a metal show, yeah. you know, through and through. If there was a thousand people there, there would have been a riot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at the end, during this song called Rivers Run, River Runs Red, which maybe their biggest song, if they have a biggest yeah. song, I don't know how you judge a band's biggest song when they don't have a hits, big song. Really. Yeah. Uh, but that would probably be it. And I mean, there was a guy just punching people. Really? You know, and then he was, people were punching him, and it's just like, yeah. Oh, there's yeah. no there's... security. And I mean, it's just wild. Yeah. <laughs> it was wild. And the, the band was great. I mean, if you like metal, metal, and I do sometimes, yeah. You know, it was really, they're really great at what they do. Nice. You know what I mean? So it was really cool. So I think that's pretty much everything. All right, let's cut it. If we yeah. think of something else, we can talk about it next time. Sounds good. Um, but let's do moving pictures. It's uh, 1981. 81 is the year. Yeah. 81 is the year. Yep. It's it's uh, six years into the Neil Peart uh, Rush era mm-hmm. and uh, one of their biggest albums. We'll break it down. Uh, we'll talk about uh, the recording and we'll break it down track by track and, and we'll see where it takes us. Beautiful. Welcome back to the next segment here where we are going to get deep with a little Rush moving pictures. And, uh, team of three. I, team of three. I do want to invite or introduce our special guest. Paul, you say hello? hello. Say hi, Paul. Hi. Yes. And who did we... Uh, we're here in studio. Paul, who did we, uh, who did we find this morning? Matilda. Oh, my God. Matilda. Elf in the Shelf? Where did she go last night? In the Warriors. In where? Did she go to the North Pole? North Pole. North Pole. And it came back in your living room. Is she keeping an eye on you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why don't you tell the people what some of your favorite songs are? Hey now. Hey now? Hey now. What else? Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam? Pearl Jam. What else? <laughs> Two hearts. Two hearts. Two hearts. Can you? Good. Wow. Good. Good. That is. Good. Good job there, Paul. That's better than I could do. Man, <laughs> so love when moving she's... pictures. Moving pictures. Thank you, Paul. How do you? How do we even top that? We're going to well, do our best. Well, you are mainly because... Uh, so let's start with a little bit of backstory. Yeah. So Rush formed in Toronto, Ontario. Toronto, Ontario. Oh. Uh, in the uh, late 60s, uh, Getty Lee and Alex Lifeson uh, were friends in junior high school. Um, and that's where they met. And they started a band with a guy named John Rutzi. And uh, the band played dances and clubs in Toronto. 
And eventually they got signed and they made an album called Rush. And as shortly after that album, uh, John Rutsey left the band. He had really bad, I think, diabetes. Okay, yeah. And was really struggling with touring and, and the alcohol and all that. That'll do it. So he left for health reasons. And um, they met a kid from St. Catharines, uh, auditioned for the band, a real serious uh, guy. Yeah. Uh, worked on a farm in St. Catharines with his dad and went up to Toronto to audition for this band. And his name was Neil Pert. And when he joined the band, uh, they became what they what they are known for, uh, the three the, those three guys. Three and uh, their first album together was called Fly By Night. And uh, and then after Fly By Night, they went on to make uh, Crest of Steel, I believe, um, A Farewell to Kings, and uh, eventually 2112, uh, which, which mm-hmm. became a huge album for them. Uh, and uh, after 2112, they kind of uh, reset the game for Rush. They were kind of free to do what they wanted. Uh, there was no pressure from the record company. They had built an incredible following through touring. Yeah. And... Uh, Sweat Equity, you know, they spent years on the road. They were really a live band. And um, in uh, October of 1980, they went to a cabin uh, in Quebec somewhere, uh, and they started making an album which would eventually be Moving Pictures. Now, if you go to YouTube and mm-hmm. you search, like, Limelight Video, what it is is footage of them recording in that cabin. Really? In, uh, in um Good old Quebec. In Quebec. So you can uh, see video of where they were. Uh, so they go to work on what would be their eighth studio album, and it, eventually it's released on Atlantic Records on February uh, 12th, 1981. Now it comes off the heels of Permanent Waves, um, which kind of is a shift in the band. Pre-Permanent Waves, there was a lot of long songs. 2112 is... 30 minutes long yeah, or said 20 d- minutes long. 20 divided into like seven sections. Right. And, uh, you know, there's La Via Strangiata, you know, which is a very long song. There's all these long songs on the different albums. And that's in Permanent Waves. Permanent Waves is, is a shift, shift from, that, from that, where yeah. you have the spirit of radio and free will. Uh, shorter, maybe more radio-friendly type songs. Um, and Moving Pictures kind of builds off of that. Um, it's their... It's a, a probably their highest selling album. I think four million or so in the U.S. alone. Um, it was nominated for a Grammy Award. Uh, YYZ specifically was nominated for a Grammy. Um, just really, a, you know, a really positive reception for the album uh, overall. I think in terms of background, yeah, number well, number three on the Billboard it hit. Yeah, and that's really high for Rush because you have yeah. to remember that Rush is not. You know, the kind of band that, you know... They're a touring band. You go to see them. They're not much on... They weren't much on the radio. Classic radio, classic rock radio, now. they are, of course. And and then they probably did decent on classic rock radio. But not a lot of MTV. No, no, no. You know, uh, and they're very much a do-what-they-want kind of a band. You know, they do what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, okay, it was produced by Terry Brown, uh, who produced a lot of their stuff. Uh, Hugh Syme did the art. So the famous album cover of people literally moving pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when uh, on that last tour that I went to that we talked about, they went backwards. So they started with their newest songs and ended with Working Man, right? Mm-hmm. And as they went backwards, they were tearing down the set 
and kind of going from this huge arena act at the beginning to this really small band playing like in a gym. So it went the everything got smaller. They kept taking stuff yeah. away. And when they were playing the moving pictures songs, there was literally guys moving pictures. No shit. So the pictures that they had strategically placed on the stage, yeah. that was when they were taken away. When the pictures yeah. got moved, you know, literally. Um but what a sh- so, showmanship there. Yeah, I mean, really a slick idea to do it that way to kind of go yeah. from beginning to end and to um or from a- end to beginning and to scale down as it as it went on. Um I think Rolling Stone gave it four stars out of five. You know, again it's so it's a it's a critically acclaimed album. Um sold a lot of copies and I think what we'll do is we'll kinda of, we'll go track by track. Yeah. And not many on the on the album. No, and and that they put would, a lot of hits. Again, they would put out an album a year. I mean, that, yeah, you know, and to usually, do that, you know, six to eight songs a year. All right, so we're gonna go song by song on moving pictures, and it starts with Tom Sawyer. That's right. So you could argue Tom Sawyer is the most known Rush song? Yeah, yeah abs- I, I think you can make a strong case for that. It played at hockey games. and yeah. uh, When you when they play it in concert, they have a pretty cool video with Cartman from uh, South oh, from, Park. Yeah. And uh, he he's, like, sings a song with the wrong lyrics. And he's like, oh. Paul is doing some... Yeah, uh, we got an extra producer. Yeah, here we do. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Tom Sawyer, uh, the lead track, again, maybe the most famous Rush song. It's a little difficult to uh, balance Paula and uh, yes, and this. Don't touch, honey. You are quite the additional ball, I must say. Makes a show. Exactly. Uh, okay, so, so the yeah. lyrics of this are based loosely on the Mark Twain uh, novel, Obviously. The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Uh, in Tom, in Twain's book, Tom finds his way into different sorts of adventures, and throughout the novel, Tom matures and experiences many rites of patches. Due to cultural and social changes, some public school copies have been edited. This is like one of those books that's on like the banned list. Yeah. So this is just some kind bullshit. of you know Neil's kind of look at this. They were. Uh, working uh, with a band called Max Webster, which is another Toronto band right around this time. And um, uh, Neil said he got some of the ideas and songs uh, from some books that these one of the members of Max Webster had given him. So he's reading a lot of books that were from... Um, yeah, he was trying to find something to do during touring. And uh, the singer Max Webster suggested yeah. books. And eventually it would... He started riding his bike, like a motorcycle, uh, not a motorcycle, yeah, like a 10-speed. Yeah. Uh, in between shows, and then it progressed to motorcycles, and uh, so that's what he usually does during a tour. But at this time, he would read books. Um, he did talk about the song in 1985. He said, Tom Sawyer was a collection between myself and, and Pi Dubois, an excellent lyricist who wrote the lyrics for Max Webster. Mm-hmm. Uh, his original lyrics were kind of a portrait of modern-day rebel, a free-spirited individualist, Striding through the world, wide-eyed and purpose- purposeful, 
I added the themes of reconciling the boy and man and myself and the difference between what people are and what others perceive them to be. Namely me, I guess. Uh, during, what else? Uh, it's a 7-8 signature. Um, Limelight, The Trees, Distant Early Warning, Farewell, or some other rush songs with that. Uh, it's been used in episodes of Futurama. Um, the Water Boy, Halloween, I Love You Damn. Man, Freaks and Geeks, The Sopranos, Chuck, and Fringe are all other times it's been used in TV shows, you know, pop culture or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's been the opener sometimes on tours, the Vapor Trails tour, which I was at in 2002. It was the opener. Um, it's been last. Um, yeah, the Vapor Trails tour is important because um, they had been on hiatus because Neil lost his wife and daughter mm. in like about a year span. His wife died of cancer and then his daughter died in a car accident on the QEW. Really? And uh, they kind of stopped for a while and then they finally came back on the Vapor Trails tour. Um, in 2008, they played this song on the Colbert Report. Uh, okay. they, you know, and yeah. do, do a lot of things like that. That's uh, uh, 2006. It, men- it mentions the 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 Anchorman, or uh, not the Anchorman. The um, what do you call it? Uh, South Park video. I mentioned. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Getty Lee on the song. I remember being disappointed in the studio, thinking really we didn't capture the spirit of the song. We thought it was the worst song on the record at the time, but it all came together in the mix. Sometimes you don't. Have the objectivity to know when you're doing your best work. True. Uh, Getty Very also true. said the one song that we played for the rest of our lives. When we wrote it, we had no idea it would touch such a nerve with people. In many ways, it's the quintessential Rust song. I, I uh, you, do you agree with that? I agree with it, but do you? Uh, yeah. Being yeah, a Rush. Yeah, yeah. It probably okay. is the uh, the most known for sure. Um, it's not my favorite, but no, but I do like it a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's. Neil Peart has often said about it that one thing he loves about it is that it's always fun to play. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, that it's hard. It's a challenging enough song, but not too hard, and that he has a lot of fun playing it. And I do have a lot of fun hearing it. You know you're going to – it's one of those you know they're going to play, yeah. but it's not one that you think about, is that a piss song? Yeah. You like to hear it. You know, it's um, you know, it's it's good. Uh, in my opinion, not as good as Red Barchetta. Which is Which the is next the song. song. Good uh, transition yeah, into that. And, that's, that's nice. And probably my favorite song on this album. Um, I was We played a clip in the beginning of Neil. Great clip, by the way. Going track by track um, on a TV show that, was, that aired in Canada. And uh, this song um, is about a farmer who keeps the car, the Red Barchetta, in his barn. Uh, even though cars are outlawed. Oh. So it's in this kind of futuristic world where cars are illegal. And um, he keeps it for his nephew. You know, And his nephew comes and takes the car for a ride and ends up getting chased by uh, the police, which is described as the gleaming aloe air car. <laughs> um, and then eventually he outruns the police and ditches them and goes back to talk about it at the fireside with his uncle. So it's just this really great story. Um, Which they are. Rush are very good at that. Yeah, this is... In their uh, lyrics. You know, this is a great example of just Neil kind of just painting this beautiful picture and writing this great song, this great story. And, um, you know, picking the, the Barchetta because 
I think he wanted to pick a song or a car that was fast that kind of matched the yeah. the tempo and the intensity of the song and it has all these the, the it, musically it's really good it has all these different turns um uh, the novel that the story was inspired by again he's reading all these books uh this one is called a nice morning drive by richard s foster um the harmonics in the intro are played by alex uh but just Probably my favorite on the album. Like I said, I love the storytelling of it. I love the turns it takes. Yeah. I love how when he's getting run, uh, when he's running from the police, the song sounds like he's running from the police. You know, like it, the music and the lyrics kind of go together really, really well. Um, I think they do in a lot of Rush songs, though. I mean, I'm not as... Like uh, this part right here. Which is all 80s It just feels like during that part that the music is really matching the lyrics, Mm -hmm. you know, the adrenaline surge and when he talks about mechanical music, you kind of like hear the keyboards a little bit more, but, um, yeah, just, you know, a great story, uh, which ends kind of like this. So I'll read some of the lyrics here at the end. Suddenly ahead of me across the mountainside, a gleaming yellow air car shoots towards me two lanes wide. So here come the cops. I spin around with streaking tires to run the deadly race and go screaming through the valley as another joins the chase. So the cops got back up. Yeah. Ride like the wind, straining the limits of machine and man. Laughing out loud with fear and hope, I got a desperate plan. At the one-lane bridge, I leave the giant stranded at the riverside and race back to the farm to dream with my uncle at the fireside. So that's kind of the end. He he, stra- he gets on the one-lane bridge, and there's two cops, so they get stuck. They get and stuck, and he's on his way back to the country. Back to the fire to hide the red barchetta and to um, uh, dream with his uncle. And now... Uh, I believe it was, according to the book, The Complete Ferrari by uh, Godfrey Eaton. The name of the car is actually pronounced Barchetta. Oh, okay. But uh, Getty Lee admitted that he had incorrectly pronounced the word after an Italian friend pointed out the correct, correct pronunciation. So It'll always uh, be Barchetta. It'll always be Barchetta. And it is probably to 99.9% of the world. So right here, flying into Canada, back to Toronto once. Uh, Neil Pert heard the uh, YYZ is the airport code for the Toronto airport. Okay. And the Morris code of YYZ, he heard it when they were flying in, and he thought it made a cool song, and that's where that's the that's where this came from, huh? Of YYZ, and so I have a cool story about this song. So it's an instrumental that actually became a hit, which I think is pretty hard to do, right? To get people, I to think look. it's. To, Very hard to, to do. like an instrumental on radio, you know. So it's a four minute and twenty five song. Um, again, YYZ is the transmitter code for Lester Pearson International Airport. Every airport has a three digit code. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 
I think ours is buff. Mm-hmm. Um, again, right. this was the song that was uh, nominated for a Grammy, but it lost to the police's behind my camel, which uh, I know Neil is a huge police fan, and mm-hmm. he thought that that was the right choice. Uh, Alex, talking about the bizarre-sounding harmonics before the solo. I created them by playing off the pick and my thumb. I hold the pick so there's a slight edge of it showing between my thumb and finger. This allows my thumb to mute the string, and that's what causes the harmonic to ring. So kind of a little guitar nerd thing there. So anyway, so this instrumental. So there's these guys called, I think, Lost in Vegas. And they record these really cool YouTube videos where they're two black guys. Okay. And they listen to rock songs they've never heard before and kind of react to them. And so they're listening to this. And they're flipping out. Yeah. Like they're loving it, right? And they're like getting so, they're like, I can't wait for the lyrics, for the words. <laughs> and I'm just thinking the whole time, like, I got bad news for you. Like, there's no lyrics. Um, but they loved it. But I thought that was kind of funny. Um, some people think that the bass in here is some of the best of all time. It was a big Guitar Hero song. Yeah, yeah. For that. Um, there's also some samples of uh, Slapshot. Okay. Of someone shooting a hockey puck. Yeah, yeah. A sample in the song. I think we passed it already. Um, the crashing noises you hear between the breaks of the guitar solo is the sound of wind chimes tied to a 2x4 slapped against a wood table. In- interesting. So a lot of kind of experimenting here. Um, Rush is known for their instrumentals. And, you know, this is just just one of them uh i'm not a big huge instrumental guy personally but i think no this song is probably the right amount of length for yeah. an instrumental and it's, it's the, not a 13 minute right yeah. the ter- turns that it takes are interesting enough um and it's not it's a it's a good song i do enjoy it but not nearly as much as maybe the second most popular song on this album which is limelight <laughs> Right up there with Tom Sawyer in terms of popularity. Yeah, I would say Limelight, Tom uh, Tom Sawyer, The Spirit of Radio are some of the bigger ones, certainly on classic rock. Subdivisions, mm-hmm. uh, one of the bigger ones. Uh, but this song is really interesting to me. This is a really interesting song because it's about being in the limelight. About them. About right? being famous, about becoming famous, and about the reaction to it and how you handle it. And it's specifically through Neil Pert's eyes. And we played the, uh, the, the track in the beginning. That, yeah. That's him talking about um, the, the controversial line in the song, which is, I can't pretend a stranger is a long-awaited friend. Um, and it's just try- trying to explain um, him being uncomfortable um, with meeting strangers. Yeah. You know? And, um, you know, and he talks in there about how they know him, but he doesn't know them, and it puts him at a different sure. disadvantage. Now, Getty and Alex are much more comfortable um, in the role. In the limelight. You know, so, so if you usually go to a, like a rush meet and greet or something, it's usually just Alex right. and Getty, especially in the post-tragedy uh, era. After yeah. after um, Neil's wife and daughter died, he stepped back almost all the way from any kind of press sure. or media 
Um, and he's a very shy guy, and I think he tries to explain it as best he can in the song. And, th- and I think he did in that in that interview as well. Like and, being an introvert doesn't uh, understand an extrovert and vice versa. And here's some more from him. Uh, success puts a strain on the friendship, and it puts the strains on your day-to-day relationship. And it's something that we did go through, you know. We're not immune to it. But we were able to overcome it just through our closeness, and we were able to help each other with difficulties like that. And then we could deal with the pressures and things and that. Uh, Getty Lee talks about about it. Limelight was probably more of Neil's song than a lot of the songs on that album, in the sense that his feelings about being in the limelight and his difficulty with coming to grips with fame and autograph seekers and a sudden lack of privacy and sudden demands on his time. He was having a very time dealing with. I mean, we were, we all were, but I think he was having the most difficult time of the three of us adjusting, in the sense that I think he's more sensitive to more things than Alex and I are. It's harder for him to deal with those interruptions of his personal space. And his desire to be alone, you know, and it goes on about that. So I, I think, you know, uh, and, and we might as well read Alex, what Alex had to say about it. Yeah. Get something from all three. We were very, very careful not to let it get the best of us. That sudden success can really change you and be, you can become lazy and constantly have other people doing things for you and lose perspective on why you're there and what you're doing. I think that's, uh, you know, and we've talked about it. You and I have, you've you know, questioned it to me, like, when's enough enough for me? And like, you know, is that, you know, ultimate, what's success for people? And, and everyone, you know, wants to be the movie star. They want to be the rock star. They want to be the athlete. They want to be this. But with that comes this limelight that I don't know that even those that achieve it are ready for. And, and like, you know, Neil, it's, I mean, it, it can make or break you in terms of who you are as a person and, 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 Look what it's done to so many musicians yeah. that we've talked about, but there's so many um, authors. Move, you know, it can go on and on about the quote unquote the, the limelight. So good stuff. Here's uh, maybe some of the best drumming I ever recorded right here. Pert, special dude. If he really doesn't Absolutely. have drums, that's a shame, you know? Yeah, I mean, and it could just be, oh, I'm taking a break. I don't think he'll, I think he'll get another pair of drums, though, I think. Uh, the camera eye is next, and that's kind of the end of side A. Okay. You know, uh, Tom, Sawyer, Red Barchetto, YYZ, Limelight, like if this was a record as it was originally intended, you'd have to that, flip it over now. And get to the next. You uh, know, and, it, and it's done s- slickly because now we have a 10 minute. A longer rush song, Virgin. a more classic, uh, you know, a three-parter, um, the camera eye, uh, which was the one when they had played the album from beginning to end uh, that they hadn't played live in the past, you know. So that was one that they had to kind of learn for that tour um, how they were going to pull it off live because it wasn't. It was the one song from this album uh, that they hadn't that they hadn't played live before. They decided to to do the whole thing. I don't have a ton on this one. Um, it's it's like I said, it's a more classic rush song. It's one you'd maybe expect to be on an earlier album. Pre, yeah, you'd expect something it from probably. Hemispheres or something from Crest of Steel. You know, one of the longer ten minute songs. I got to tell you that they really did pull it off in concert. longest uh, rush song ever recorded was this actually. 
This is the longest yeah. one? Over 10 minutes long. 10.56. Yeah, so... This I did not know. Number one requested fan song for them to perform live. Yeah, before every tour, uh, there was a website that you would vote. Yeah. And uh, like it was... The ones that usually get the most votes are ones that they had never played. So that's why this would come... Well, the one that I've never heard that I would always vote for was Fly By Night. Okay. Because they stopped playing Fly By Night like in the 70s. And actually I heard that they came really close on the last tour to playing it. That they tried and that Getty just couldn't, didn't feel like he could pull it off in terms of the singing. Okay. So, because it's really high. Um, and they just couldn't find a tuning, I guess, that he was comfortable with. Uh, but they tried. They tried. They, they thought about playing it. But that would be the one that I hadn't heard that I would like to hear the most. But um, uh, the other one that was before that was my number one Rush song, which is Entre Naus, which is from I am not I don't speak French, so I don't know if I say it right. Yeah, I know. But um, that's from Permanent Waves, and they had never played it, and they did play it on the Snakes and Arrows tour, um, which was really cool. So I guess I did get my um, my dream song eventually. Uh, Witch Hunt is. Track six, back to a four minute and 45 second song. This is kind of a really cool, um, you know, deep track. You know, not one of the hits, obviously, a little bit deeper in the album. Um, it was purposely mixed so it could not be understood. The idea was to add a feeling of fear. It's kind of like spookiness oh, yeah. to it. That definitely has it. Yeah, you can hear the screaming there. Hugh, the guy who did the, uh, the cover art, plays, yeah. the synth- plays some of the synthesizers on this song. We went out. This is Alex. We went outside of Lee's studio, and it was so cold. It was really cold. We were well into December by then, I think. We were all out there. We put a couple mics outside. We started ranting and raving. We did a couple of tracks of that. I think we had a bottle of scotch or something to keep us warm. So all the contents of the bottle became less and less. The ranting and raving took a different flavor. We were in the control room after we had laid down about 12 tracks of Mob and Hysterics. Every once in a while you hear somebody say something really stupid. I wonder if the scotch had anything to do this is part of a This is part of a trilogy um, of songs. Uh, the Enemy Within from Grace Under Pressure is part one. And The Weapon from Signals is part two. This is part three. Um, and on the Grace Under Pressure tour, uh, they played them in sequence. Uh, which is pretty cool. And that has a really great concert video, which I have on Blu-ray. Yeah? Yeah, which is really great. Uh, in 2011, uh, Getty Lee told the newspaper in Cleveland, it's one of those songs that means as much today, if not more, considering what's gone on in the world with racial profiling and all of these different issues. The sentiment of that song is as appropriate as ever. Uh, the song was recorded the same night that John Lennon was shot in New York. Uh, the band was right in the middle of laying down the tune when they heard the news. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Considering the name of the song and... The Monday Night Football was being played, right? Yeah. And uh, John Lennon was being shot. Um, and that's Witch Hunt. A cool song. A really cool song. And even cooler when you listen to it in the context of the trilogy. Yeah. And you listen to all three. I have to do that. Uh, sort of a cool thing. And that leads us to Vital Signs, uh, which is the last song on the album. Uh, Vital Songs is kind of another one of those cool... Uh, B-sides and um, there's a long uh, quote from Neil on it 
uh, talking about how it was a transitional song. People had mixed feelings about it, but they thought he thought it was something he really wanted to say. He fought for this one to be on the album. Uh, this is not one. Pro- this is probably if you ask the hundred Rush fans, to name their least favorite song on the album on the or album, in general. On the, the album. album, okay. Yeah, they would probably say this. I think it suffers from being last a little bit. The sequencing. Oh sure. You know, maybe if you put this between Tom Sawyer and Red Barchetta. Might have a little bit more uh, popularity. Little, yeah, I think that there's a little bit of burnout. You, you've been through so much with this album, so many ups and downs. Yeah, once you get to the B side, you got the 10 minute, 10 56. Right. And like, oh. Yeah. And yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of people who just play the hell out of that A side. Didn't flip this album over much, right? You know, you spend yeah. so much time on Tom Sawyer and Red Barchetta and Why Was He Alignment. I mean, you're looking at four songs on that A side that are arguably four of the top 10 most famous Rush songs. In their four-year yeah. history, and they're oh, all yeah. contained on one, one side, side. Of one LP, right? So it's really hard. And I think twenty-one twelve is a really good example of that. Where in twenty-one twelve, the A side is just the song twenty-one twelve, which yeah. is by far the most famous part of that album. Then if you flip over to the B side of twenty-one twelve, there's great songs on there like Twilight Zone and Lessons and A Passage to Bangkok. But I think those songs are kind of forgot about a little bit because, because of. of how overwhelming twenty-one twelve is. You know, and I think that this album suffers from that a little bit too, where the first side is so overwhelming, so loaded with hits, so loaded with iconic tracks that the last three just get lost get in the a shuffle. Little bit lost in the shuffle and a little bit overlooked. It's understandable. I mean, you know, to have four powerhouses like that. But really, this album is a masterpiece, and I do want to say that after it, their best, in my opinion, live album that isn't a full concert. So they have three single side live albums. All the world's a stage. Taken ex- from Shakespeare, ex- that was. Ex- exit Stage Left, which the cover of the re- the Exit Stage Left album is a picture of someone looking out into the crowd, and the crowd is the odd and people from Buffalo. Really? So you probably like if you ask your dad, hey, like everyone somehow knew someone in that picture. Like my aunt dated a guy in that picture Get who out. ended up dying of carbon monoxide poisoning. Wow. And he's on the cover of Exit Stage Left because the crowd shot is a picture from The Odd. Did they ever say why they did The Odd? Was no, it the last not, I don't of know. a tour? Yeah, or? They just like the pic- I don't know. That's crazy. Yeah. Look at Buffalo. We're all over yeah. the place. People don't realize it, but... but uh, and then the third one was called... Um, well, it doesn't matter. You yeah, can't do it right now. But Exit Stage Left is the album that is most loaded with songs from Moving Pictures because yeah. it was recorded mostly on the Moving Pictures and the Permanent right. Waves tour. And it's a really great live album. I really recommend it. It's got a great version of Closer to the Heart on it, where there's a, it was recorded in Montreal with a Montreal orchestra. Oh, wow. Um, so a nice, really cool but, yeah. uh, version of Closer to the Heart on it. Uh, maybe we'll play that as our out song today. We'll play the yeah. Closer to the Heart from Stage Left, since we played a lot of the songs on here already. Uh, but overall, is it my favorite Rush album? No, Permanent Waves is probably my favorite Rush album. Oh, okay. The one before this. Um, that was in 80, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was right before, the year before. Um, it's definitely my top five Rush albums. Um, if I had to say what's my favorite song, it's Red Barchetta. Yeah. Um, For the storyline that goes along with yeah, it. Yeah, right? just the journey it takes you on. Okay. You know, it's about seven minutes, so it's a mm-hmm. little bit longer, but it's not too long. Um, I like how kind of how it trickles in and trickles out. Yeah. You know, it takes you up and down, um, and I relate to it. And uh, I do love it. So I think that's it. Moving Pictures, great album from a great band. We're going to do more Rush. 
Someday we'll probably do a rush show. Yeah. We'll just break down the 40 years. Or maybe it's maybe we'll time. do four shows and, you know, yeah. do one album four, from each yeah. kind of era. You know, maybe we'll do the 21 ones, at sure. some point. Yeah. You know, then maybe we'll do one in the middle, like um, Signals or something okay. like that. And then we'll do one, maybe Snakes and Arrows. Maybe we'll play it that way. But Rush, you know, Rush is my number two. Oh yeah, we've you know we've well I mean Rush is the tragedy hip yeah, mean, yeah. depending how you want to look at it. But I mean when you obviously look, Rush is a little top, bigger. Top than... three are you know Pearl Jam, Rush, and the tragically hip. And um, you know uh, Rush is almost in a different category because they're from a different era, and um, they they're so unique. You know this, these three dudes, all kind of ugly. <laughs> Dorky Canadian dudes, like they could only almost could only be from Canada, but they're these like polite. <laughs> Nothing against our Canadian no, listeners. No, I don't. People from Canada are ugly. What I mean, but I get what you're saying. I'm, I'm, I'm catching where they're you're... very Canadian. Absolutely, you know, yes. They're, they're very Canadian and they're polite and they have these interesting lyrics that their drummer writes. And how many yeah. bands have a drummer who writes lyrics? And yeah, they're these unbelievable friends. And yeah, they uh, are uh, just. A, I mean, to do it forty years. I mean. They have a there's a great documentary about them. Is there? And uh Jack Black is one of the talking heads in the documentary. Oh, okay. Right? And he says this amazing thing, which I think I've said on this show I in, think you have in context been. before, but he's talking about Rush and he's talking about how some bands come around and yeah. they're like a bottle of ketchup. Yeah. Right? And he's like, You tip the bottle the band tips the bottle over. Yeah. And when they tip it over and the ketchup starts coming out, that's their what they have in them, their creativity, yeah. right? And he's like, Some bands, it's one song. They they write one song, all the ketchup comes That's out. Him. He's like, Rush has been dumping that ketchup for 40 years, and it just keeps coming out. And it's true. I love a song called The Wreckers, which is on Clockwork Angels, which is their album that came out in 2000, whatever, 14, yeah. 15. I love that song. They have a song on that album that is just as good. As moving as songs as, yeah, moving pictures, my might and, or and, so, you know, and, it's and, uh, like, like uh, they've never stopped. Snakes and Arrows is my favorite post '90s Rush album. You know, it came out in 2009 or something like that. And like the first five songs on that album, I mean, are as good as anything. Far Cry, which was the the first song from it, is just it's my top one of my top three Rush songs. Um, and then, so the last thing I'll say is uh, there's a, a DJ called Eddie Trunk. And he's a famous hard rock and metal DJ. And he does a, sh- a show on um, Sirius, okay. a station called Volume. He yeah. does a show every day. And one of the things he does occasionally on the show is he does top 20s. So the way he'll do it is let's say he needs a travel day. Sure. He'll pre-record him giving his list of his top 20 songs from a band. So the first band they did, I think, was ACDC. And so on Thursday, he tracked down his top 20 ACDC songs. And then on Friday, the listeners will call, celebrity musicians will call, like Dave Grohl called in. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. Right? So they've done ACDC. They've done Queen. It's actually aired, his aired yesterday. Yeah. Um, is, that's the one they're doing right now. Um, they've done Van Halen. Um, they've done... Rush. So I was going to share my Rush top 20. Yeah. Um, I actually did 30. Um, you know, I had 10, 10 honorable mentions I didn't rank. Okay. And then my top 20. So I won't read the honorable mentions, but there was 10 of them, including nothing from the album we just talked about. 
So anything in my top 30 from this album is on the list. So number 20, I had Test for Echo. Number 19, The Wreckers, which I just talked yep. about. 18, The Pass. 17, The Lesson, which is from 2112, one of the B-sides in yep. 2112. Uh, Dreamline at 16. Distant Early Warning, 15. 14, Animate. Uh, the Necromancer from Crest of Steel uh, was 13. 12, Bravado. 11, Free mm-hmm. Will. 10, Tom Sawyer. 9, Limelight. 8, Spirit of Radio. 7, Fly by Night. 6, Red Sector A. Okay. 5, Far Cry. 4, Red Barchetta. 3, Subdivisions. 2, Closer to the Heart. And 1, Entry House. So that was my Rush Top 20. Okay. Um, Eddie Trunks was all 70s songs, pretty much. I don't think he's, really? I don't you think didn't he's have heard any of since, since the 90s, I don't think. Uh, but that is Rush. We'll talk more about them. Um, and from here, we'll come back. We have one segment left. Yeah. We're going to have Matt's Words of the Week. Uh, we have three songs we put on a playlist. Yeah. Um, and we do have an email. We have a few emails. We'll do one yeah, we'll, kind of a we'll, show. Yeah. We'll catch up on them. Uh, so we'll take a break, and we'll be right back. Oh, man, and we are back. Final segment here, guys. Thanks for sticking with us uh, through the hiatus. But we're back in action. Back with a vengeance here. We had a killer rush show. Good album. A ton of good hits. Always good content coming from Steve. Does his homework uh, through and through with it. Um, So the Motivation Through Music uh, podcast here. I'm your host, uh, Matthew Angel Sobolski, co-host and producer, Steve Bennett. The podcast was originated based on the Amazon best-selling book uh, titled Find Your Playlist. I'm the author. It's available on Amazon.com in paperback and ebook, as well as BarnesandNoble.com as well. Great stocking stuffer. It, yes. <laughs> uh, the Motivation Through Music podcast has two new episodes a month. Uh, it's hosted on SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com slash Motivation Through Music. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. You can email song suggestions and questions to the podcast, motivation through music pod at gmail.com, or you can follow the podcast on Twitter at M through M pod, which is where I also will sprinkle in some live uh, songs and lyrics. And I'll do that more now that we're back uh, on the horse. I will definitely try to tweet a new one this weekend or two or three. Yeah, that was awesome. Follow myself on Facebook, facebook.com slash uh, forward slash Matthew dot dot seven. Twitter at Instagram. Uh, yeah, Twitter at, at Instagram. Let me know how that works out. At Matthew Sobolski, Instagram at Matthew Sobolski, or email me directly, Matthew A at MAC Leadership dot com. And lastly, you can find the Sportscasters podcast on Twitter at sports underscore casters. It's available all the same places that this podcast is available. And uh, on this week's show, I have Tim Booth from the AP in yeah. Seattle to talk about the uh, expansion team, the NHL expansion team in Seattle. Uh, and we talk about Pearl Jam too. And uh, But Tim has a lot of really interesting information about where the money came from, the $700 million yeah. to renovate Key Arena, uh, why they're not starting until 2021, um, and what he thinks the name could be, uh, how popular he thinks it'll be, and uh, why he thinks Vancouver versus Seattle is going to be a really great rivalry. Oh, sure. And a really good uh, thing. So Tim Booth from the AP. And then the other guest 
I can't remember. Who the hell was it? I don't know. I talked to them this week, just days ago. This week? Yeah. Did we talk about it before uh, we we came in? We didn't. But I just don't remember who it was I talked to. But it was someone else. There was two people. Tim Booth was one of them. Who was the other one? I don't fucking know. Oh, I do know. Yeah. Stuart Mandel. Yeah. Oh, no shit. Athletic. Yes, we talked about the college football playoffs. Yeah. Uh, why yeah. did Oklahoma get picked for number four instead of Georgia? Uh, yeah. Who does he think is going to win the Heisman, Kyler Murray or Tua? And uh, are there any other interesting bowl games? He doesn't really think so. No. Uh, I think okay. it's a bad year for bowl games. But um, Stuart uh, has been a friend of the show since 2011, so I'm sorry I forgot him. Uh, but that's that. Okay. Uh, with that said, let's do the email next. Yeah, yeah, let's get it. Um, let me get the email open because we have a few. Most of them are from people from Denver. Love we have it. this weird like. There's this band called. There's this band called the Sheila Divine. Oh yeah, yeah. and they always uh-huh. talk about how they're really popular in the big three: yeah. Boston, Belgium, and Buffalo. Buffalo. We're popular in Buffalo and Colorado, in Colorado, and Denver. So, uh, okay, here's one uh, from Colorado. Uh, and I think I kind of told you about this one. Yeah. Uh, Matt and Steve just finished listening to the Better Than Ezra episode. So I got DMs and an email yeah. about it. Uh, Matt and Steve just got finished listening to the Better Than Ezra episode and really can relate uh, to growing up in uncertain times with females uh, in high school. Uh, when you guys often reminisce about your days of high school, what are the songs that immediately jump out um, and make you feel the most nostalgic about your time in high school? Love the podcast. Uh, thanks for doing it. Talk soon. Jeff near Denver. Oh, uh, wow. Well, I know I have a few. One is uh, I Got Id by Pearl okay. Jam. is a song that came out as a single. So just two songs, Long Road and I Got Id. I Got Id was the A-side, and I would listen to that over and over and over and over again. Um, also, Black by Pearl Jam is one. Uh, Superman's Dead by Our Lady Peace. Uh, reminds me of high school quite a bit because um, just I think the theme of that song uh, is very much high school to me. Okay. Um, that's one that definitely sticks out. Uh, in a Darkened Room by Skid Row is a randomly a song that I associate with my time in high school. Um, I went to a performing arts high school and we had a, um, a, a radio studio. Yeah. And a recording studio, like there was a radio part in the front and then a recording studio on the back and the recording studio had a kick-ass sound system and sometimes me and my friend Keith, we would go back there and bring some CDs and jam out, to them yeah. really loud. We were in the basement, you know, we're all the way in the back corner yeah. and we could listen to some really loud music and no one ever knew or cared and we would listen to that In a Darkened Room by Skid Row a lot. So we really liked the end guitar solo on that. So those are some few, a few for me, songs that I, when I'm listening to high, reminisce about high school. And then the song but better than Ezra that brought all that up absolutely still is one that I listen to now that reminds me of high school. Yeah. You know, it wasn't out then, but it's sure. one that I listen to now. I think back to that time in my life. As my music, uh, my musical tastes are so varied and, you are and a rap vast. I'm all, I was, I was rap. So Atlians, uh, by Outcast comes, uh, to play dear mama a little too. I mean, anything, well, notorious B.I.G., uh, big papa's juicy, uh, but the initial, the first one that came, like, I'm thinking, okay, high school, boom, right went to uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana, which was that freshman year uh, of, of high school that I kind of, that brought me back to. Um, and then Rage, uh, Killing in the Name of was a huge, um, 
song for us to listen to before hockey games. So, I mean, we would crank the jams in the, uh, bring the boom box. Literally, I would bring the boom box in and we would just blast it at full volume, uh, getting ready for, for hockey. Who is in charge of the music in the locker room? Uh, usually, uh, probably myself or the, uh, the goalie, Kevin Brusaber. Uh, something about goalies, though. I mean, nothing against goalies Kevin. Goalies are weird. But there's a, there's a, yeah. Psychos. Yeah, no, goalies are psychopaths. I have no problem think, saying that. No. <laughs> <laughs> there is an odd, like, a, uh, just something about them. How many, uh, Super Sundays did you win? Uh, we won, well, we were there, too. You won, too? they've won I think after us, they went like four or five in a row or something. After you graduated. Yeah. yeah, they kept winning. Yeah, they kept winning. We started out. We were the first one to win a Super Sunday. Right. So you won in what? No, we won. 97, 98? Yeah. Okay. And then they won in 99. and 99, 2000, I think. Yeah, so Who did won. you beat in the first one? I think it was Ken East and Ken West. Ken East and Ken West. Yeah. Did you lose one before? No, we didn't make it so the, the year before. I was on JV and varsity going back and forth at that point. Um, pretty much on JV though they had a pretty stacked. Now uh, it was a dramatic team. win the first one, right? I'm pretty sure I was there at Buff State. Yeah, did you guys? Mm-hmm. One of the Ferry brothers, or was that their names? Who are the brothers? Fairies, yeah. Fairies, yeah. I'm trying to think that one of them scored a I big tying goal or a big winning Mike. goal or something. Because I think the brothers weren't on until the second year. Oh, is that true? Um, yeah. So maybe it was Latza then. And then, well, Latza had a killer game, the one year, and had four goals, I think. So maybe that's what I'm thinking of. And I and I actually, if if he does ever listen, he probably won't. But I've got uh, the Super Sunday DVD that he let me like watch like two years ago. He's like, dude, I really want that back. <laughs> and uh, every time I talk to him, uh, it's like, where the fuck's that DVD? I'm like, and I got it. It's right in my office. Uh, and I'm probably gonna check that out now. So you won two. Mm-hmm. Your cousin Will won. At least uh, I believe two. he won at least two with uh, maybe three, possibly with McKinley. Uh, McKinley. And then uh, my brother, they won everyone that he's been in. He might have won four. Yeah. Might have. I'm not sure if they if they lost anyone. Stacking them up. Uh, and then the States, they won a few times that I was there with them. So so I played varsity for four years, and we finished third three years. Mm. And la- Well, my freshman year, we finished last. But we were really bad. Yeah. And then my sophomore year, we finished third. And then the best team we had was my senior year, and we played a best of five against Hutch Tech. In the semifinals, and we had beaten them a couple times during the regular season, but our goalie, a week before the series, broke his collarbone. Oh, fun! Um, yeah, you're done. Snowboarding. Okay. And the backup goalie, we he just wasn't good enough to beat Hutch yeah. Tech. You know, he just weren't. And we, I mean, if we would have made it, that McKinley team was probably better than your team. It's yeah. like the best explorer league team in history because yeah. they had Joe Gunther. Joe Gunther on there. You know, they had they were just stacked. Mm-hmm. They, we were never beating them. You know, we, we, the closest we came my senior year of beating them. So we had gotten close. So there's only six teams in the league. So you played yeah. everyone like four or five times. Yeah. You know? So this is a funny story. So we're playing McKinley and, um, it, there were, we're, uh, we're going back and forth. Mm-hmm. One, nothing, one, one, two, one, two, two, three, three, right. Going back and forth. And my lot, it's me. We we were a one line team kind of mm-hmm. me yeah. this kid Bob Duffy and this other kid named Rob Bennett who was a black kid mm-hmm. we were like the only travel players really sure. and then everyone else was in, and that was good yeah um, there's a couple other good players but they were either like younger or whatever we were we were clear top line yeah so Bob Duffy had three goals to make it three three we yeah. like we're going back and forth and Bob scoring the goals but we're just 
just can't keep up with Gunther. You know what I yeah. mean? Like yeah, you tie it and then Gunther's got another breakaway, mm-hmm. whatever. So I think it was four to three, like with like six minutes left and they got empty netter five, three, but we left the game with a lot of confidence. Like, well, we stuck oh, with yeah. them. You know, if we can just keep Gunther at bay, you're right. right. You had a so shot. we have this plan, right? Next game, we're going to shadow Gunther. Every time Gunther goes over, our line is going over. Yeah. Right? Every time Gunther is out, our line needs yep. to be out. Everyone on the well, team knows. Yeah, it should have been. Right? So the game starts, and um, Bill Klein, who's the coach of McKinley, yeah. smarter than our coach. <laughs> okay? So he catches on pretty quick that we're trying to match yeah. the Gunther line. So the first goal is scored because he sneaks Gunther on. To a different and line. one of the forwards sees Gunther and just goes off. <laughs> like thinks literally it means you immediately, no matter what is happening, yeah, you just leave the ring. You leave. <laughs> Go to the locker room. Right. So he makes an awful change. It's one nothing. Whatever. I look up at the clock. There's seven minutes left in the first period. It's four nothing and Gunther has all four goals. This plan is not working. Yeah. Someone takes a penalty and Gunther played the point on the power play. So I'm like, I'm not letting him shoot. No. So they're working around. They're working around. I know they're trying to work a one-timer to come oh, there. Yeah. So I come around. I go down. I'm ready to block it. Yeah. I tense up. Sure. I'm waiting for it. Waiting to I'm get, waiting to get yeah. hit. I'm waiting to get hit. I'm like, oh, fuck. He must have <laughs> shot it over. I must have missed it. I don't know how. Yeah. <laughs> I look, and he broke his stick in half. He had a two-piece. <laughs> and when he came down from the slap shot, it broke at his hand. So it broke... Almost in half, yeah. basically. So he dropped the one, the top half, and he took the bottom half, and he threw it. You know at Riverside how the crowd oh, yeah, is above up, you? Yeah. He threw it up to his dad because he wanted to keep the blade. blade yeah, yeah. So he threw it up into the crowd. So it's got to be a delay. All game. of a sudden, the whistle blows, yeah. and they threw him out. Really? He got five minutes in a game for throwing his stick in the crowd. Uh, yeah. So we had a five-minute power play, and we tied it on the power <laughs> play. And Gunther's gone. Uh, now you got it. So the first period is over. It's four to four. Gunther's gone. We've scored four in a row. Oh, wow. We're flipping out on the bench. Yeah, you got to be going ballistic. Bill Klein's throwing shit. <laughs> yeah. Nobody scored in the second period. It's four to four going to the third. They won five to four. They scored with, like, two minutes left. Yeah. Oh, you're deflated then. Fluke goal. Yeah. We had all kinds of chances. I hit a goal post. It's not meant to be, man. Duffy had a breakaway. So I never beat him in four years. Never no? beat McKinley. Damn. Probably went 0 for 20. We probably played him at least 20 yeah. times. Oh, absolutely. The only time I did beat them was after my junior year. Uh, we had an, we, The league created an all-star team. Yeah. And we would play. We played McKinley and Hutch Tech because they were the Super Sunday yeah. teams. So if you know we played the one time without the Hutch Tech kids, we played yeah. Hutch Tech, and then the, and the one time we played McKinley without the McKinley kids, and we beat McKinley. Yeah, all right. So you got and one. And we beat Hutch Tech. You too. got one of them. We, we the All Star team won both the games, but you know, so that was fun. That was a fun. It was a fun thing to do. The yeah, English you got the W. Was cool, but anyway, all right. Uh, transgression there. Um, let's do our <laughs> songs on the playlist. Yeah, yeah. And then you can give the words of the week, and then we're done. The long That's podcast it. today. Um. All right. We'll start. With you, your first song was? Oh, my first song was Kenny Loggins. 
And this is like, so I did Christmas songs because obviously we're in the Christmas season. But uh, this is probably got to be, these are like probably my top three Christmas songs right here. And uh, this one here, Celebrate Me Home. Love it. Uh, Kenny Loggins, typical 80s. But this reminds me of the holidays. People coming in from out of town. My Uncle Mark used to come in. We used to love looking forward to when he would come in. My favorite Christmas song for the record is Someday a Christmas by Pearl Jam. Oh. Uh, yesterday, December 6th. Correct. Was the 24th anniversary of the huge Bush album, 16 Stone. I was a fan of Bush when this album came yeah. out. And who wasn't? Yeah, everyone I mean, loved this album, right? It had the big songs, Everything Zen, Glycerin, Come Down, Little Things. Um, but I wanted to pick one that wasn't one of those, because everyone knows those ones. Yeah. Um, so this is just another song from the album called Alien. But, uh, yeah, 24 years for this album. That'll make, really? you, make you feel old. That, that I was just going to say, that uh, ages us a little bit. Dean Martin. Uh, love uh, Dean Martin for a number of reasons. I mean, as, you know, just a, a musician. But uh, Christmas albums, I think his album's got to be him. And obviously Frank and the boys. But but I love Dean Martin's Christmas Standards. stuff. Standards. Yeah, absolutely. And always are on, uh, well, we've got some shifts going on in the, in the Christmas uh, where we're going. But um, this was always on the background. Nightmare, the fake fireplace on the TV. Like, not even like was, And this would play. So, good job. Also on December 6th, 1994, Vitalogy came out, which is the third Pearl Jam record. Now, in November, it was released on vinyl. Yeah, yeah. So they were one of the first bands who were kind of instrumental in the return of vinyl. Uh, So they did do an exclusive release of this album just on vinyl. And they actually sold 35,000 copies of the album on vinyl in 1994. On vinyl? Yes. Crazy. Uh, And then, of course, this album came out. It was number one. And uh, sold, I think, six million copies in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, last exit, one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah we talked about it. And wham! Now, uh, love this song for a number of reasons. Uh, my sister is a George Michael. George Michael Girl. through and through loves him and uh, he just, died at Christmas right I want, yeah I'm, I'm, was it Christmas or I'm Christmas sure I'm pretty sure it was Christmas, Christmas. yeah it was and phone. she was like in tears in tears and I, you know this uh, is a really good one good I, pick I, I, I love it probably by far my favorite one and, and with uh, you know my sister always on my mind nowadays I was just like yeah this is this definitely gotta be it shout out to Christina shout out to my sister uh, the Wreckers uh, we talked about it when we were talking about yeah, Rush, right. just uh, from their last album, maybe ever, and you know what I would consider the best song on there. Uh, so I threw it on the list. Okay, we've done a lot of shit. Uh, we have covered a lot of ground. We've talked about stuff yeah, we man. probably didn't need to talk about. But we're back. But you know, what I mean, you got to get it in, right? You know, I don't know if we needed that long hockey uh, trans transgression there, but um, we're done. Except for one thing, and that's the words of the week. So, what do you want to tell the people? So, words of the week. Uh, my my theme has been uh, based on a quote that was on a mug that my fiance got me from Target, which is uh, not to get your tinsel 
in a tangle and uh, saw that. basically not sweating the small stuff. And in hindsight, it's all small stuff. I mean, we all know the book. We all get what it means. Uh, not so easy to, to, to really follow through hold on, on that. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. Before you get too far away from the mug, what did you say it says again? Don't get your tinsel on a tangle. Now, do you think it's possible that she was subliminally telling you mm-hmm. to make sure your semen... Uh, doesn't didn't, get didn't get tangled or up or, or that it should get tangled or should but it says do, don't don't yeah don't don't or make something along those lines like we don't want any we've right. got the wedding we and got enough right now we, that's it that's I would, it I think that might be the message you think subliminally I'm gonna I'm, yeah. well, I'm gonna have to now throw it out there what, Babe, what, what are you trying to tell me what's your method I just got the, the pill. pill yeah okay. absolutely all right yeah that was always our method yeah yeah we and you got to pull out sixteen successful. Successful, yeah. I think we had it sixteen years running. Dropped, it's a good run. Dropped many loads. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a good. It's a good run. So we had the Dominic Hashik of birth control. Yeah, nothing got by. Nothing it. got by, no. <laughs> which is good. And that's the whole yeah. idea behind it. Yeah, no, right? that's the purpose. Ninety nine point nine 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 percent, right? If anyone's listening for the first time, this is this part of the podcast where for some usually reason I make <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're just tuning comments. in right I don't know now. Why. What it is about this part, but I always make these ridiculously absurd. We attempt we, we attempt to be serious for up for some reason for a, for a minute, and then there's without fail just this part. I don't know why some uh, sexual innuendo reference that uh, usually comes about. So well, stay tuned for next week. Yeah, we're gonna I find think, out. I think uh, I think it's uh, wants it to get tangled up, so nothing nothing gets by Dominic on right. on that one. Well, good luck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're we're doing well. There's some wood to knock on. Fuck my life. Um, so yeah, guys, uh, try not to get uh, beat up. It's the holidays and uh, a lot going on, but a lot of nonsense that can get in the way. Uh, life's short and uh, shorter than we think. So don't get your tinsel caught up in a tangle.